In the following live session recording, Lane Lowry, spiritual formation pastor at Warren Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, talks about expanding your influence with new groups and new leaders. We know growth doesn't happen by accident, and we know the value of intentional strategic planning. But what are the essential elements needed for a plan that can help us experience and sustain growth? The leader will help answer these questions. Let's join Lane now. See all the education. I have, I have the joy of working with an incredible team. Um, I oversee all the um, adult, well, all the education from bed babies all the way up through our, our oldest senior adult class. And I'm blessed to have a team of roughly 15 ministers on my staff team that, that oversee that. I'm you know grateful. I've got two preschool ministers, two student or two children's um, uh, directors. I've got uh, three student pastors, um, a college and young 20s. I've got a single adult pastor, a um, young immediate adult pastor, and then we call our senior adults a mature adult pastor who oversees our, our mature adults. We're, we're a, we're a um, uh, multi-site campus. We have a campus in Augusta. Uh, and then we also have a campus in Grovetown, which is about 10 miles up the road. We, we launched that four years ago, and God has done just an amazing work there. Um, we had eight, 800 on Sunday at our, at our uh, Grovetown campus, which was just incredible. We're really, really blessed. I'm married to Liz, my wife Liz. Uh, we've been married for 30 years, and she is an elementary school principal and at a Christian school there in Augusta, Augusta Christian School. And then I have a daughter, Kaylee, who's married to Brad. Kaylee's 26. And I have a son, Nathan, who lives in the Augusta area, not at home, we're empty nesters, and he is 23. I've been at uh, Warren for 13 years. April will be 14 years. And prior to that, I served at First Baptist Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, and before that, I spent 13 years as a high school teacher and football coach. And I did that. I thought I was going to do that forever, and the Lord had other plans. Um, and then I went to seminary and, and then, you know, joined the team at First Baptist um, uh, as the adult and discipleship pastor there. But uh, as I've been in Georgia now for, like I said, almost 14 years, and of course then, then you know, living in Florida and serving churches there, um, you know, we living here in the South, uh, it's no doubt whether you are, are into it or not, but um, football is a big deal. <laughs> I mean, it's a big deal. And uh, matter of fact, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes our attendance fluctuates during football season. It's quite amazing. And um, there's no question that on, on Saturdays across the country, um, stadiums are full of folks. Um, and and it's, it, is a, it is a big, big deal. And I don't know if you're into football or if you're, if you're even, you know, if you care about the SEC or the ACC. It really doesn't, it, it, it doesn't matter. I don't think you have to be too connected to, to, to a sports team to realize that there's one program in, in our country that year in and year out is a perennial powerhouse. And year in and year out, they're up for, for the national championship. Now, they didn't win it last year, but uh, Alabama is the team I'm talking about. And, and Alabama is, a, is an incredible program. It's not a team I pull for. I'm a Gator. I, I pull for the Florida Gators. But I highly respect um, what Coach Saban has done there. Um, because year in and year out, he puts quality teams on the field. He does. There's no question. They are a cut above. Now, obviously, Clemson is doing an incredible job. They won the national championship last year. But when you start talking about national championships, you've got to think about Alabama. Year in and year out. Um, I recently listened to a podcast where Coach Saban was interviewed, and I just want to—he was asked, "What is you know, what's his secret to success? What's your secret sauce?" And this is what he said. This is what he, he was when he's talking to his players. He said he, te he tells his players, he says, "Don't think about winning the SEC championship. Don't think about the national championship. Think about what you need to do in this drill, on this play, in this moment. That's the process. Let's think about the, about what we can do today." Uh, the task at hand. Coach went on to say that excellence is a matter of steps, excelling at the first thing, then the second, and then the next. The process is about staying in the present and laying siege to the obstacles in front of you. It's not about getting distracted or anything else that comes our way. You know, what I gathered from what Coach was saying is that it's important to keep the main thing the main thing. It's important to keep the main thing the main thing. And today is, we're going to talk about expanding your influence with new groups and new leaders. And that's the main thing. 
You know, in, a, in, in our churches, there's so many things that can cause us to, to, to chase these, you know, you know, these distractions, if you will. And we'll talk about that just in just a moment. But as believers and as church leaders, we really do know what our main thing is. Our main thing, our main thing, our main mission is the Great Commission. That's the main thing. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, and, and doing all that I've commanded and observe all that I commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's our main, th- our main thing is to make disciples and multiply disciple makers. And, and the best place for this to happen is in your Sunday school and groups ministry. I believe that I am a product. The, 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 the Sunday school changed my life. I was not raised in a Christian home. I came to know Christ um, um, older, you know, not say older, but as, a, as an older teenager through a fellowship of Christian athletes. But it wasn't until I got plugged into a young man married Sunday school class at First Baptist Church Daytona Beach when my life, when my life radically changed. It, it truly did. It was because I had older men pouring into me. And, and I tell you what, I, I, be, I, I didn't know what it was like to have a, a Christian dad. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I came from dysfunction. My wife came from dysfunction, but we came to know Christ. We got plugged into a young married Sunday school, small group, and it radically changed everything. So I am a proponent. I'm a believer. I love what Bill Taylor says about Sunday school. He said this years ago. He said, Sunday school is the strategy that can engage people in great commission ministry, leading them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and building great commission Christians. Friends, we know what our marching orders are. We know what they are. They're to make disciples and multiply disciple makers. They're to, 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 to take people where they are, introduce them to Christ, get them connected to a small group Bible study so they can grow up in their faith. But let me ask you this. You know, we know what what our what our mission is we know what our what, what our steps need to be but but we do get distracted let me ask you what are some of the the, the distractions that maybe you or your people face when, when when you're you know we know what the mission is we 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 know what we're supposed to be doing but so often it's 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 hard to do that we don't get it done because we get distracted why what are some of the distractions that you or your people face one of the i am um... I teach a ladies' Bible study group yes, twice, ma'am. twice a year in my home. And um, one of our studies that we did this past year was um, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Yeah. And that was, to me, that was, pro- it still is probably our biggest problem is the fear of getting out of your comfort zone sure. and, and reaching out. Yeah. We have a, a really great... Our church is very good at any kind of uh, mission project that our WMU comes up with. Sure. Um, but their involvement is giving money, mm-hmm. um, or uh, they don't mind like buying school supplies. It's just that there's just a few of us then that follow through yeah. all the way to the end. Right. Um, and, and, and is that because of fear? You think? Um, what, what do you think? What is the what keeps them from following through? We, a bad word. Tell me. B U S Y. Yeah, being under Satan's yoke. I've uh, seen it that before. Jobs, no, but you know, I'm saying, I've seen that. But been busy. Yeah, you're exactly right. Jobs, children. I mean, I agree. I remember what it was like to be a lay person. Like I said, I told you I taught high school for 13 years, coached football, and I was living in Daytona Beach doing that. And I was a deacon. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was, you know, trying to raise kids. And I there's just a lot going. It's, life is busy. It is. Life is busy. And as you get older, you find out your priorities have to be there. Amen. Busy. You can be busy. Yes. Raising children, taking sports, you know, and on and on right. it goes. But you got a choice. Amen. Amen. Yes. Right. 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 And and that's what we're constantly facing. And honestly, I I am a perpetual half cup full guy. But I tell you what, I don't think it's going to get any easier. I think we got to constantly. And that's why I. I, Well, again, let me let me share this. Uh, Just as Coach Saban challenges players. uh, and coaches to stick to the process. See, that's what he called the process. Coach says that the process gives you a mental checklist uh, of items to tick off. There's always the next del- deliverable and something you can do better. And again, we, we, we too have a process that will lead our people to stay focused on our mission. And, and leadership expert Michael Hyatt says this, and this is it. Um, 
Let me get to it. He's, Michael Hyatt says, when you know the why, you'll know your way. And to me, this why part of that, when you're talking about the why of it, when we continue to, to, to let our people know the why, that will help them set their priorities. But I, again, remember, you know, I was a late person in the church. I had all this other stuff going on, and it was important. I had somebody telling me, continually telling me the why. Because the why is the thing that will hopefully allow me to set my priorities, understanding what the why is. I believe that the first step in this process to expanding uh, our influence through our group's ministry is sharing and resharing the why. Uh, Andy Stanley said this. He says, vision leaks. Vision leaks, meaning we've got to keep saying it and saying it and saying it. And, and obviously... This, obviously, it's important to you or you wouldn't be here this weekend. You've made it a priority in your life. You've set time aside, you've paid money, and you've come here and so that you can, you can you know, learn, so that you can go back and pour into it. I, t- I tell my team all the time, when we're you know, doing something, we've you know, uh, we got to keep talking about it. But about the time that we get sick of hearing ourselves talk about it, our people are starting to get it. Because they are so busy. They have so many distractions. The enemy is bringing so many things at them. And we've just got to keep, we got to keep reinforcing and keep talking to our people about the why. So again, I believe that's, that's the pro- we have a process in place. And the process of, of doing that is continue, continuing to let our people know why it's important. Why it's important to begin new groups. And how to effectively begin new groups. See, we can't assume our people know that. We, we can't Even if they've been in the church a long time, we can't. We just can't. We can never assume that they understand why it's important and how to effectively, continually begin new groups. We have to continually share the why and the how of that. So let's start with the why. The why. Why is it important to begin new groups? Let me ask you, what do you think? Why do you think it's important to begin new groups? What do you think? Old groups get set in their ways. Yeah, explain a little bit about that. What do you mean? Well, um, you hear it quite often in churches. We've never done it that way. <laughs> yeah. And this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. And, and um, it's just really hard then for a new person to come and break into a group that doesn't know how it's always been done. No doubt and about so, it. so, you know, they're sometimes kind of ostracized because yeah. they haven't gone along with the way it's always been done. Perfect. That's a, that's, I totally agree with you. What else? What else? What are some other, we're going to talk about it. What are some other, other whys? Why is it important to begin new groups? Growth. Ma'am? Growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. It promotes growth. It promotes a growth mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Old, you said old groups kind of get stale or stagnant. It promotes growth. What else? What do you think? Why is it important to begin new groups? You have new people coming in to a church family, whether they actually join or not, and you need to offer them something. I love that. Absolutely. Uh, to not be a part of the old group. You know, you can be a welcoming part of an old group. Yep. You know? Yep. Good stuff. I mean, y'all, yes, yes, yes to each one of those. As I think through it, why do you think it's important to begin new groups? At the end of the day, new groups grow faster than existing groups. They do, as you said, because old groups get set in their ways. They get, they get comfortable. And truly, new groups grow faster. That is a proven statistic, that new groups grow faster than existing groups. With new groups, there's an excitement and often a greater sense of mission. Existing groups uh, who, who have been meeting for long periods of time can become closed groups, as you just said that, and that's not what we want. It may be a friendly group, but new people can sense that the, that, that the, uh, uh, the social circles have already been filled. And, you know, that's so important because I guarantee you if, you, if you show up to any of our churches, people are going to say, hey, so glad you're here. They're going to be warm and welcoming, but are they going to let you in? And so it's really important because new groups do grow faster than existing groups. Um, new groups tend to be more evangelistic than, exi- than existing groups. It's when you launch a new group, and we just did this recently. I just launched two new groups. I'm really excited. I didn't. I had got guys on my staff launch two new groups, and it's really neat seeing our people get it. And those guys, they're going out. Those men and, and women, they're going out, and they're trying to reach more people in order to get them to come into their groups. And those existing groups, when you've got you know, 20, 30, 40 folks in your group, there just doesn't seem the need. It's sadly, that shouldn't be it, but often it doesn't seem the need. We don't, we're good. We got plenty of folks in here. So new groups tend to be more evangelistic than existing groups. 
new groups generate more leaders. And that's the thing. And, and that's something that we've got to constantly be talking to our leaders about. And we'll get into this in more detail. But uh, when a new group is launched, people are more often to, to, to step into leadership roles. The longer a group exists, the less likely people are to serve in leadership roles. Why do you think that's true? Let me say that again. When a new group is launched, people are more often willing to step into leadership roles. And the longer a group exists, um, people often step out of leadership roles or they don't seem to take them. Why do you think that's the case? Easier to let somebody else do it. Amen. <laughs> you need to get up here and teach this class. You don't need to be in here. But absolutely. What else? Any other reasons? Feel like everything's already full? All the, all the positions full? There's really not a place for me, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're tired of the ho-hum. Could be. Absolutely. Lazy really? I know. I know. New groups are easier for guests to connect in. There's no question. We just did this, and it's really cool. We just started a new young marrieds, and um, um, we we took some old. We took you know roles. Uh, we took. We, I was telling. Um, I was telling um, Chuck here just a little bit ago, at Warren, we're blessed, you know, we're a, a large church, and I've got 54 adult Sunday schools that meet on campus on Sunday morning, and, and of that, we've got them broken down into, you know, um, singles and, and young marrieds and young, you know, meeting adults, senior, and so we, we, we had graduated, if you will, our young marrieds had become middle-aged marrieds now, you know, they become older marrieds, and so we needed to start a new young marrieds group, and so uh, my young meeting adult guy, he uh, got some leaders. I mean, he really, really pressed it and prayed, and he got some. Uh, he got uh, two, you know, two, two couple, you know, two couples to come in, and then we went and looked at all of our old roles, and we we went after the folks who were already. We went fishing in our own pond. We went after people who were on the rolls but hadn't been in church forever. And we made phone calls, and we, and we sent postcards, and we sent emails, and then we did a bunch of publications. There, hey, we're starting this new young marrieds group. The first day they had 35 folks show up, and it stayed, and, it, and they've continued to stay. And we also, um, my young and medium adult guy is also my connections pastor. He does young and medium adults and connections ministry. So all the folks that come in, all those new people, one of you are saying that you know, when those new people come in, he immediately tagged them, and we, we took about two months to get this done. So all the new folks that came in that hadn't gotten plugged in, he, he went after them as well. And so those new people, and he, he used it. He said, look, this is a brand new group. We need you to come in and help us to form this group. So they came in with a purpose. And I'm so, it blesses my soul when I walk by that room every Sunday. And there's, they're now up to 42. We need to find a larger classroom for them. What they need to do, they need to multiply. But I want to give them a little bit of time. They've only been meeting about six months. So I'm really excited about that. So at the end of the day, new groups are easier for, easier for guests to connect. Because when you walk, everybody's new. So, you know, everybody was new. And, and so that's been a real, real blessing. Um, and then, at the, at, at, again, at the end, why is it important to begin new groups? Because both new and mature believers need biblical community for spiritual growth and accountability. We've got to keep developing groups so that we can continue to disciple those God sends us. We got to, you know, discipleship's not an option for the believer. Every Christian needs to grow in his or her understanding and obedience to God. Bible study is essential to, to, to the church's function of discipleship. So... Is there anything, can you think of any other reasons why it's important to begin, uh, for our ministries to begin new groups? Anything else maybe we haven't covered here? When I thought about that, I wrote myself a note here when I was just kind of reviewing my notes uh, this morning. And somebody else said it earlier, but starting new groups keeps a growth mentality. I think you said that. It keeps a growth mentality in front of our people. When, and when you launch a new group, and we celebrate the stew out of it, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that here as, as we're finishing up, um, it, it makes people, oh, that's what you do here. Oh, oh it's, it's, it, it becomes normative. You know, when you hadn't started a new group in years, that, the inertia is hard. But when you're constantly starting, you, so the cool thing is we started that new young marrieds group, well, we have uh, we have a church service at 8 a.m. and we also have Sunday school at 8 a.m. We do um, we have services at 8, 9, 30, and 11, and we do Sunday school at 8, 9, 30, and 11. Well, we start most of our uh, we have many of our mature adults who like the 8 a.m. Um, Sunday school. Then they go to our 9:30 traditional worship service. Well, we started a new mature adult group at 8 a.m. and they're running about 15 folks now. But and those 15 weren't going anywhere. 
So the cool thing is, is we, we, we got that inertia going with that new young marrieds, and my mature adult pastor did the same exact thing Drew, my young, young immediate adult pastor, did. basically he followed the same model, and now he started a new group. And, and so my point is, I, I want us to constantly do that. And when we, when we recruit leaders, we recruit leaders now, we tell them, we expect you to multiply. We don't call it divide. So many people call it separating or divide. We call it multiply. We expect you to multiply every 18 to 24 months. Now, do they all do it? Absolutely not. But I'm going to keep calling them to it. Were you going to say something, Diane? No, I was just thinking you talked about going through the roles of those who just are not coming anymore. Yep. We've tried that too, and we still have not been successful. Yeah. You just got to keep beating the bushes at the end of the day. And, you know, um, you know people joke about us Baptists that, you know, you, you, it takes an act of Congress to get you off the, the, the Sunday school role. I'm glad it does. I mean, I, I, I'm glad. I, my, my, my assistant is oversees all of our Sunday school roles, and I don't let her take anybody off unless I okay it. I mean, because I want to know, you know they, either they've moved or they've graduated to heaven. Because if they're still in our area, to me, they're still a prospect, and we're going to keep going after them. So don't grow weary in your well-doing. What Just happens, keep doing it. Yes, ma'am. What happens if they move? We're a small church. Sure. We're a small church. If they go to a larger church and leave their membership, on your road. Yeah, you know, that's and something you that you send out postcards yeah. and you contact I, them and they, you know, memberships to your church, yeah. going somewhere else to church. I want them to serve God. Amen. If, all, then I'd ask them, why don't they change the membership? Uh, well, that's yeah. right. Some yeah. churches don't require it anymore. I don't understand that. but <laughs> yeah. You do. I, I totally agree. I think you just, at the, at the end of the day, if you, if you pick up the phone and you call them and you get a live person, they tell you, well, we've trans- you know, we're going now to such and such, then at that point I'd say, well, you know, say do it. I'd just tell them, then, then would you like us to take you off the roll? Oh, okay. And if they say yes, we do. If they say, well, no, then I'm going to keep them on the roll. I'll ask them. I don't know about you. It's a lot of times we get a lot of answer machines, you know? Yeah. Now, let's take a few minutes and talk about the how. Um, how, how we can effectively begin new groups. I want you to hear me say this, guys. This is not the end-all, be-all, but this is a plan. This is the process. You know, Nick Saban's got his process for Alabama. I bet uh, Dabo's got a different process for Clemson. Coach Mullen, my coach, has a different process for Florida. But this is the process that, for, uh, that Warren Baptist Church uses. Uh, step one of the process is we pray, and we pray, and we pray. I mean, we pray about groups all the time. I meet with my ed team uh, every other Tuesday. And then uh, as, a, as a full team, I meet with them uh, the, the, the second and fourth Tuesday of the month. And then the uh, first and third Tuesdays, I meet with, like I might meet with just the adults or I might meet with just the kids in preschool. Uh, but we meet as a group every uh, twice a month and we pray. We pray about um, our group's ministry. We pray specifically. We pray for a missional mindset among our, our group leaders. We, pray, we, we ask God to give our our, our group leaders, our, we call them life groups, our life group leaders, we ask that God puts a, a missional mindset in their hearts. We pray for group members to embrace a growth mindset and a willingness to step into leadership roles within the group's ministry. Specifically, that's what we pray. We pray for church members and prospects who are not connected to a group to get involved. And we don't just pray about it. We also pick up the phone and call them. Just so you know, we've got a process of our assimilation process is where every, every, every person who comes forward and fills out a, either a guest card or visits and they give us their information, we, a pastor calls them and then I uh, send their information uh, to a life group uh, leader, a Sunday school teacher in their age range, and I ask them to call them as well. Um, then we pray for the opportunity to engage the unchurched and disenfranchised in our community with the gospel and an invitation to try out uh, one of our groups. We make it easy to find groups, too. I mean, when you walk on campus at Warmback, you know that groups are important. You know, we call it a stack pull, if you will. Groups are important. It gets, it gets, it gets um, signage. It gets, you know, you know, in announcements, it's in the worship guide, it's, it's front and center on our website. We make much. So we pray and pray and pray. Next, we, we, we plan and prepare. Again, we recruit leaders with the expectation that they'll launch a fully staffed um, life group within the next, like I said, 18 to 24 months. Now, like I said, does that always happen? Absolutely not. It doesn't. Um, and so whenever we recruit, uh, whenever we recruit our leaders, um, again, I... I don't do this anymore because I've got folks that do this, but we've put together, and you'll see, it's got Drew Robison. He's our young and meeting adult pastor. It's got his name on that letter, but that's a leadership application. If you're going to be a life group teacher, 
um, because we consider our life group teachers the leaders. Okay, now we understand not everybody was given the gift of teaching, but that life group teacher, if their name is going to go on the door, and the way we do our doors, we got, you know, it's the Apostle, you know, Pike, uh, like, you know, media adult life group, or it's the, you know, whatever. But if their name's going to go on the door, and, and we, we, we vet all of our leaders, okay? And so all of our teachers, we walk them through this leadership application. And it's extensive. Some people may think it's overkill, but you know what? I don't want to leave any stone. This is our process. I don't want to leave any stone unturned. I want them to know that we're calling them to a higher commitment. We are calling them to a commitment here. And in there, there's the Baptist Faith and Message as well. We, off, we have them sign off that they, that they adhere to the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. But we all, and, and we, we, in there, there's a place for them to sign off that, that when we call for a leadership meeting, that unless they're providentially hindered, they'll come. Um, my point is that I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to you know, bait and switch them. I don't want to call and say, no, we just not a lot of commitment. You don't got to do much. No, I want them to know this is a calling from the Lord. I'm telling Chuck um, a little bit ago, you know, God called me. I believe God called me in the vocational ministry and I believe God called me to serve the body of Christ at Warren. And I'm going to stay there until he tells me to go someplace else. I believe our life group leaders are the same way. I believe there's a calling on their life to serve that people that he's given them to serve, and they're going to be there until he tells them to go do something else. So we, we call them to that. And then, um, so I want to make sure that we, we, we let our leaders know what the expectations are. We don't try to dumb it down or water it down. We let them know what the expectation is. And at the end, they say, we, you know, are, are you good with this? Will you, will you do this? And then if, if they say no, say, hey, I totally understand. There's other places in the churches to serve. But if you're going to teach a Bible study here, this is what we need. 99% you know, percent of the time, they do it. And, and so it, it's, it's been great. Uh, we identify leaders who get it and give them what they need and let them go. We go with the goers. So we, when we plan and prepare, we, we, we let our leaders know what the expectations are. We identify leaders, again, who get it. And you know the groups. You know, I've got a couple groups that are just, well, I got more than a couple. I got quite a few of them who are doing a phenomenal job. And they're growing and they're healthy and they're vibrant. And man, I tell you what, when I send them a prospect, they're on it. I've got some groups, even though they've signed the, the, the document there and they said they're going to do this, I send them a, 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 a prospect, they don't call them, I don't send them another one. And I'll tell them that because I expect they have to report back to me or they report back to our connections pastor. But when we send that, they report that back to me that they've made contact. But if they don't do that, I quit sending them to them because that, that's poor stewardship. When God sends us somebody, he's giving, sending them to us to take care of them. And so those groups that, that do, I continue to funnel them to them. And those that don't, I don't. Then we uh, be proactive. You know, you've got to be proactive and launch new groups before you need to launch a new group. And that often doesn't have, a lot of times, you, go, you know, they say that you know, the old 80%, you know, you're, when you're 80% full, you're full. Well, in a classroom, when you're 80% full, you're full. True. When you're about 60%, you need to be thinking about where you're going to start your next group. So we try to proactively do that. Uh, next, we establish group leadership roles and clearly stated job descriptions. I've got you a copy of that as well. Again, this isn't... Well, thank you. Um, this, this is just what we've come up with because I want people to know what the expectations are. You know, I want them to know what we expect out of them. And so I, you know, those roles within the Sunday school, now there's nothing new under the sun. You know, 20 years ago, they called those things something else. Like my spiritual formation title, you know, most, you know, a lot of churches, they call it Ministry of Education. But there's basic roles... To have a healthy Sunday school, a healthy life group, there's basic things that I believe that, has to, that have to take place. And so we've developed a job description for each of those roles so that people understand what they're, what they're getting into. And, so, so, and people are more like to commit if they know what they're committing to. So those, that's the, the leadership uh, roles that we ask our folks to, uh, to try to staff their class. My goal is to have, I always talk to them about expanding the tent. Keep expanding your tent. Get more people on your leadership team because the more people we get on our leadership team, the more they're bought into the ministry. And the more people we get on our leadership team, when it's time to launch a new group, you can send out a fully staffed team to go do that. Offer on, ma'am. Did I hear you say that you have people who come to you and apply to be a group leader? Well, generally the way that works is we're constantly beating the bushes looking for leaders. And when we, we uncover someone who uh, we feel like would be a good leader, we go to them. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I have had, we've had some folks move in. I mean, we've had some folks move into our church who are transferring their letter from wherever and they've been teaching for years or something like that. Yes, I've had that maybe three times in my 13 years there. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the rarity. And usually the way we unearth them is I go to, again, I go to our, 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 our life group teachers. They're the barometer. They're the ones that they, you know, I'm constantly going, to, Who's, who you got in your group, man? Who you got in your group that's showing potential? And they say, well, hey, you know what, Lane, so-and-so has been coming, and they're, they're faithful. They offer good discussion in the class. They seem like they're studying their lesson. I said, well, are you, you ready to let them try out teaching? And, you know, they start uncovering that. So when they do, and so when they're ready to say, Lane, I think we got somebody here, then they, we bring them in. We bring them in, and we, we walk them through this process. Yeah, great question. Uh, we have ongoing training for our group leaders. That's key. I mean, you, we've got to train them and equip them. Um, uh, we equip and empower our group leaders to recruit and train future group leaders from within their current groups. We call them apprentice leaders. My, my prayer and my goal is that every class, every position in, in every one of our life groups, every, every position has an apprentice under them. The, the life group leader has another life group leader that they're mentoring. Uh, the, the class secretary has a class secretary they're mentoring. The outreach evangelism person has an out, you know, they're mentoring so that when it's time to start that new group, they can start them with a, with a group of folks that, that have already been doing the stuff. We now, call those substitutes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and so those apprentice leaders are, are really key. And I talk about that a lot to our, to our, our groups and our, and our, our people. Um, we add additional, uh, you can add additional Sunday morning hours and share space. Like I share, share with you currently at, at Warren, we have groups at 8, 9, 30, and 11. And then be willing to go outside the church building at you know, home groups. We also have, we're, we do what we call a hybrid. On the Augusta campus, we have the vast majority of our folks meet on Sunday mornings in our, in our adult, you know, in our education space. But we have 10, right now on the Augusta campus, we have 10 groups that meet in homes through the week. For example, I lead a group at, you know, on Sunday evening because I can't go to Sunday school on Sunday. I'm working. You know, it's a work day for, for us. You know? and so, uh, but I want community. I need community. So I lead a group on Sunday night in my home. And my group is made up of mostly other ministers on our staff. I've got, there's a couple lay folks on, in there. Our chairman of deacons is in it. But, but pretty much it's, it's our children's ministers are in there and, and some other uh, staff folks that can't do because we're, we're working on Sunday. But we have 10 groups that meet. Like a lot of our, our tech folks who serve at all the hours, they, they're in groups. But on our Grovetown campus, they're 100% in home groups because we have no adult education space. Y'all so, meet on Sunday night at all? In, um, in your great question. We we what we do on Sunday night is we do special things. Like if I have a leader training, I'll do it on Sunday night. So when I have my leader training, I don't obviously I don't meet with my life groups. But no, man, we don't have Sunday evening services. We don't. Mm-hmm. Used to, but we've gone away. We use them for special events. You know, we do training. We do. Uh, I'm bringing Dr. Charles Lowry in for a, a marriage seminar. He we're going to do that on Sunday evening. Things like that. We had a parenting seminar uh, two Sundays ago. We did that on Sunday evening. So, something that's developing statewide of uh, not having Sunday night mm-hmm. church service. It sure, yes, ma'am. It's kind of sure has gone that way. I that's mean, sad. it is. It is. Uh, but at the end of the day, we we were, you know, we we will have uh, on the Augusta campus. We had twenty four hundred folks there this past Sunday. Uh, if we had a Sunday night service where you just had preaching and you know worship and preaching, we'd have about maybe a hundred. You know, and so it just got to the point. We got done. We were having fifty, so we got to the point where we were putting a lot of time and effort into, and so we said, "Well, let's do these other things." And honestly, it, it's been really, it's, it's worked for us. It's worked well. You know, it, it really has. We kind of have a mixture, but just uh, being an older person in a church, it just kind of goes against. The- I get it. I, I understand that. I do. And and we Wednesday nights. You know, Wednesday nights used to be sacred around, and 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 you know now we're battling Wednesday night. Now we, we you know we still have a, a, a decent turnout on Wednesday. But used to be, uh, even just 13 you know, years ago when I got there, you know, th- there weren't games on Wednesday. And, and I mean, now Wednesday is no longer sacred, you know. And, and so, but we're, we're not going to wave the white flag on that yet. We're going to keep trying to press in. And we do. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. And it's good, too. It's but now good. You still have things going on in your, in your church every Sunday night. No, ma'am. No. No, ma'am. It's off campus, right? Oh no! Um, on our on the Augusta campus, no, ma'am. If we don't have a special event, we just don't have services. 
because we do on Sunday morning, we do five on the on the Augusta campus. We do two on the Grovetown campus. So, no, man, we don't have anything on Sunday night unless it's a special event. But you got life groups meeting on Sunday nights, right? We do. So when there's something going on, maybe but not, not on, on campus. campus. Right, not on campus, but yes. you're still having Absolutely. with your folks within the church. Yeah. Not maybe but not it's also, right, okay. but they also have them on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights. We also do some adult um, Sunday school on Wednesday nights you know, because of the child care. And, and so, yeah. And then next, um, pray, plan, and prepare, and then promote. Promote. Constantly promote a growth and missional mindset with your leaders. Like I said earlier, Andy Stanley says vision leaks. Remember, our leaders are, are, are and again, I'm, I'm, most of y'all are lay folks, right? I mean, you're, you're and then, okay, uh, Haley and I are, are, the, are paid staff guys. So um, you guys have a lot of stuff going on in your lives. I know you do. And so that's one of the deals where I, I told my people, you know, I tell my staff all the time, we've got we to remember our leaders have, have lives out. You know, we get paid to do this. Praise the Lord. You know, God lets me do this. It's amazing to me. I, I can't believe he allows me to do this. But we've got to constantly promote an, a missional mindset with our leaders because they've got so many other distractions coming at them. Publicly celebrate ministry wins within your group's uh, ministry. And the way we do that is we, we do a thing. I mean, we do it multiple ways. But um, if uh, uh, we have a, a screen on, we have screens around our campus that, and also have like a screen loop on Sunday mornings in the worship center. We do a screen, a d- d- did you know screen or do you know screen where we'll highlight, hey, did you know that uh, the young marrieds went camping last week? Or did you know that uh, the young marrieds this past Sunday had 35 in their group? We celebrate wins. We try to celebrate wins. Did you know uh, the the uh, you know the mature adults served you know you know you know went and read to students at, at such and such elementary school? We try to make we try to talk about groups 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 and and celebrating the wins of groups when groups do something when they groups you know especially when they launch a new group we we do it we um, I'm not. Social media, uh, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at that age where I, I know about it, but I don't like it because it's something else. It's not common to me, but my younger staff, I encourage them to post things on social media and get their people sharing it. And, you know, so they do that. I know my groups, my, my young meeting guy, he goes around, takes pictures on Sundays of groups meeting and he'll post it on social media and talk about what's going on, you know, on, on Warren. So we try to really celebrate the stew out of life groups. And then we public, publicly commission new groups like a, like a mission team. I don't know about your church, but whenever we have a mission team, before a mission team goes out at one of the worship services, we call all the folks get going, going on the mission trip and we pray over them and then we send them out. Well, we do the same thing when we launch new groups. Uh, whatever service the vast majority of the people are in, we'll have that the, the leaders of that group and any of any they've already um, um, you know tagged to come be a part of that group. We bring them down front and we talk about. It. We say, man, you know, you know, Lane and Liz are getting ready to start a new group this coming Sunday or you know next Sunday, and uh, just be so we pray about. It. We pray for. It. We pray for them, you know, uh, as they launch the new group. And uh, again, it's 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 because it's something to celebrate. Um, we encourage our pastor to champion the group's ministry. And what I do is I feed him information and success stories about our groups. I am blessed to have the most wonderful pastor in all the world. Uh, Dr. McKinley is incredible. He is a groups guy. He believes in groups. But I, I funnel and I, I encourage my staff team to funnel, to give Pastor David information. For example, when we started that new group, he picked up the phone and called those new leaders and just, and just prayed with them and thanked them for doing it. I mean, that's important, you know. At a church our size, sometimes it's hard to get next to the pastor because, you know, he's got so much going on. But, but I love my pastor's heart. He cares about that stuff. And so if, if something's going on or, or if there's a need in a group, we let our pastor know about that. Uh, but I try to funnel that information to him. The worship service is fertile ground to be harvested for your group's ministry. I challenge my people all the time when you're sitting there on Sunday morning, look around to the people in in a 360-degree circle around you and ask them, hey, where do you go to Sunday school? And honestly, I've got a group that has built their Sunday school by doing just that. You know, oh, actually, we don't go anywhere. Well, we got a place for you. And so it, it's fertile ground. Enlist group leaders with the gift of evangelism and target specific neighborhoods and visit prospects and first-time guests. You know, you can still do that. I came from First Baptist Daytona where the Faith Sunday School Evangelism Strategy was born and launched. Dr. Bobby Welch was my senior, was my senior pastor then. Doug Williams was our minister of education. And Faith, if y'all, if y'all ever heard of the Faith Sunday School Evangelism Strategy, um, it, it, was a, it was an outreach. It's through the outreach to the Sunday school where when prospects came in, 
we would get their information and we would go out and visit them, you know, and prospect visitation. I did it about three, uh, about six months ago, I guess it was. And I just said, man, we didn't do this again. So I went, we had a wonderful time. I had hardly anybody show up. I had about 15 people show up, but those, it was fantastic. And, and my point is that we can still do that. Warren Baptist Church sits on the corner of Fury's Ferry and Washington Road. There is a huge neighborhood right across the street. It's an older neighborhood, and we go over there, and we just knock on doors. I took a group of folks over there just said, we just went and knocked on doors and just invited folks to come to church. I mean, we're right here. And so you can still do that. A lot of people think, oh, people don't want to be bothered. Well, you know, if they don't want to be bothered, they just say, I don't want to be bothered. And we just go on to the next one. You know, it's... So anyway, uh, re- reconnect with delinquent members and invite them back, uh, especially when you launch a new group. We've talked about that. It's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's really important um, that we do that. Let me see here. I feel like I've skipped something. Uh, target people in worship. Uh, oh, another thing is, is we've, we've tried to do is we've also targeted some, some folks that aren't already, like I said, aren't already participating in groups. And we've started some groups. Um, I, I'm not going to call them felt need groups because we teach, we teach the Bible on Sunday morning. We, we, don't, I mean, uh, we don't teach parenting studies. and then, uh, you know, Nothing wrong with that, but we do that on Wednesday nights. But on Sunday morning is reserved for teaching the Bible, and now I'll you know we'll use literature. We you know, but but my point is is that, uh, but we also we started some groups. We've got a um, we have, obviously we got young marriage. We got young marriage with kids and young marriage without kids. But then we also have a blended families group. We started a blended families Sunday school class, and that's gone really well. What is that? A blended family, families that, that, you know, with divorce so prevalent. Yes, ma'am. So we call, you know, a blended families class. We've just started a, uh, uh, a special needs ministry where we're ministering to, uh, from, from bed babies all the way up to, uh, through adults. And the next, so we, we're, we're, we've got that, we've got the adults rolling and that's going really well. And we're, we're doing a special needs ministry. And my hope is the next step would be to to um, get the parents a special need because you know parents of special needs. I, I, I we had a, a training just last Sunday. We had a training for a special needs ministry, and they said that um, um, it, it's one of the most unreached people groups in our country are the parents of, of kids with special needs because they're not going to. Tra- um, the the number was staggering. I don't want to either sixty or eighty percent of of special needs families don't go to church anywhere. Something staggering like that. It's because churches are not set up for exactly. special needs children. They're not. They're not. And we're and we're trying to be that place for at least the CSRA, the Augusta area. That's what we're trying to be. So what I what our hope is is that we'll not we'll be able to care for the kids. And, and we are, and we're, we're, we're working a process. We've got a person in place who's overseeing that. But so that we can, obviously, we want to minister to those, those folk, the, the people with special needs. But we want to minister to their families, too, mm-hmm. who haven't been able to sit in church because they, didn't have, they didn't, couldn't trust somebody to take care of their kids or they thought you know, they were going to be a, a bother. We don't want them to do that. So my hope is the next thing, once we get our special needs ministry really, really dialed in and going, I'm hoping that um, we'll be able to do a special needs life group for families while we have their kids with us you know um and i also want to do a respite care night that's something else i want is just where they, we'll just come watch their kids let them go to dinner you know let them go shopping or something like that uh, can't imagine i mean i was blessed to have two healthy kids you know they're grown now but i was you know uh, blessed to have two healthy kids can't imagine if that was uh, the the ongoing piece um i mean like i said you know we talked about um um you know uh Re- reconnecting with with delinquent members and, and invite them back. That that's again. That's just picking up the phone and just getting after it and just doing the 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 the, the work. And then perform. You know, as we go through there, as you pray about it, and, and again, and I I want to encourage you to pray specifically about your group's ministry. Pray specifically that God will call out leaders. That God will put a, 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 a missional mindset in the heart of your, of, your, of your pastor, your staff, if you have a staff at your church, uh, yourself. Uh, and, then, and then pray that God will, will really uh, uh, put a missional mindset uh, with, with your leaders. And then for those folks who aren't connected, who don't see the value of a, of a, group, of a group's ministry, that they'll see that. Uh, and then plan, like I said, plan, you know, plan and prepare. 
you know, call people out, but you got to beat the bushes. And I know many of you do that, but you got to beat the bushes. Then you got to call, I believe, call them to a, you know, raise the bar and call them to that bar, but then equip them with that. Give them all the tools that they need. Give them what they need. Give them space. If it's space, you know, equip them, you know, bring in leaders or bring in uh, um, people to, to, to teach, you know, have, have, um, have leadership training and then promote it, promote it everywhere you can. Like I said, make sure it's on their, on your website, make sure there's, it's an ease of entry. And all we have, we call them connect stations as their welcome station. We call them connect tables. We've got connect tables in, 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 in different sections of our church everywhere. There's a, there's a brochure. We have a brochure about all of our life groups and we age grade our life groups and we have people there. We are, our, 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 we call them first impressions team, our first impressions team people when they greet people, they talk about life groups. Hey, have y'all connected to a life group yet? You know, we make sure they're, 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 they're doing that. We give them information about the life group. And our welcome, about every probably third Sunday, we, when we do a welcome, we talk about life groups. Our, 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 we, we're allowed two announcements. The first announcement is always welcoming first-time guests. We do that every Sunday. And then the second, we, we do one other announcement. And I, I'm the announcement. I mean, I'm the one that get those, gets those in there. So about every third Sunday, I put in there. I talk about, you know, one of our core values is community here at Warren. And uh, the way we get biblical community is through our life group ministry, our Sunday school ministry, our, our we call it adult Bible study ministry. And if you're not connected to one of those, we need to help you get connected. You can find out more information about it right out the back doors there at the Connect table. And I tell them, you know, you need to go be a part of that. We also, we shoot videos of, of people that are in our, our, our life group ministry. And we'll show that at a, you know, either on a pre-service screen. We'll show them. We'll just ask them some simple questions. You know, questions. How's life group ministry ministered to you? What do you love most about your life group? And and then we'll ask, and then we'll put that up there. Because again, they expect me to talk about it. But when our people are talking about, it, they're the best promotion that we have when your people talk about your your group's ministry. So again, we pray, we plan, and premiere, we promote it. And again, I, I can't tell you when you start, when you launch that new group or you're getting ready to launch the new group, when you bring them down front and you pray over them, that blesses those people. And it's a, and once again, it's a reminder to the people in, in the crowd that Sunday school is important. I mean, we make much of it. It's, it's vitally important. And we are commissioning them. Be willing, like I said, be willing to, to, to go off campus and, and, and have a group someplace else if, if need be. You say you host a group in your house? I mean, fantastic. If, if, if for some reason, if people are serving on Sunday and they can't do it then, we'll give them an opportunity to do another. Well, we've, another thing we've done is a lot of our <coughs> preschool leaders, God bless those people, um, amen, um, who serve every Sunday. We've got some faithful folks who serve every Sunday. We started a, 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 an adult life group on Wednesday night, so they, all the, and it's made of nothing but preschool leaders. And they come on Wednesday night and they do life group on Wednesday night. Uh, while, while their kids are being taken care of. They don't serve on Wednesday night because they serve every Sunday. And so that's, we, you know, so we, we just got to be willing to get outside the box, if you will, to find other places to do it and, and then be willing to, to, to do that. And like I said, perform, finally perform, set a date to launch a new group and then go for it. Just go for it. I always get with my, my I love my young immediate adult pastor, Drew. Drew is wonderful, but he always jokes, it's, was it, um, Analysis by paralysis, or paralysis by analysis, because he overanalyzes everything. I love that brother. But I finally said to him, I said, "Okay, man," because I've been on him about, "Hey, we got to start a new group. You know, we're needed." And so we were sitting everything in place, and we get. I finally said, "Okay, you're starting." I put the date on the calendar. I said, "That's when we're starting it." It may be me and you in there, but bottom line, we're starting it. And bless God, God gave us thirty, almost forty people in that that first day. Now he did all the hard work, you know, getting it done. But the point is, is that you just got to set the date and you got to do it. You know, for teams like the University of Alabama, um, um, to be successful year in and year out, it takes a process. There's no question that, that they've got it down pat. If they don't win the national championship this year, I guarantee you they're going to be in the hunt. And because he's got this process and the process is working. At the end of the day, they know their why and their what. They're, they're, you know, they, they, they want to win national championships. They know their why and their what. To effectively engage or effectively enlarge your Sunday school and groups ministry with new leaders and new groups, it takes a process. You know, winning football championships is great, but it, does, it has absolutely no eternal value whatsoever. None. No eternal value whatsoever. What you do does. What you do does. And, uh, and I still believe, I believe this statement. I wrote this when I sat down. I said, I believe that the, uh, the greatest hope our world has is the local church. And even more specifically, the Sunday School and Groups Ministry. I believe, I believe that in the core of my being. Like I told you at the very beginning of this, I'm a life that was changed. 
because of, of, of Dr. Bob Nipper uh, mentored me, poured into me as a young married, and his wife poured into my wife as a young married. Uh, and I tell you what, it radically changed the, the trajectory of our lives. Because like I said, I had, no, I had no godly influence in my life. I didn't know what it looked like to be a godly husband or a godly father. I didn't have one. Nor did my wife have godly parents. And so, you know, we were the first people in our family saved. And so because of us getting involved in that, uh, that Sunday school class, gosh, 30 years ago now, we've been married 30 years uh, back in May, um, it changed everything. And, and, and there's folks sitting in your churches right now that need us. They need this. And they need you to be the one that, that helps, them, helps them get there. What questions do you have? What do you do with the children on Wednesday night? Great question. Yeah, we... Um, we no, ma'am, what we do is we, we developed a program called Disciple Kids. And we do Disciple Kids. And we also, we still do Bible Drill as well. We've got some kids still doing Bible Drill. Um, but we do Disciple Kids. And this past Wednesday night, praise God, we had 150 kids uh, in there. Yeah, and, and it's, we do a, 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 a three-station rotation. They learn about missions. They do Bible memory. And they, do a, they have a Bible story. And so uh, we break them into age, you know, grades, grades and, we, and we split those around. Downstairs in preschool, we do mission friends, and we call it mission melodies, where they learn through music. Uh, and then, our, of course, our, our middle school, uh, we have a middle school pastor who does, uh, you know, uh, preaching and worship and all that. And, and a lot of games with the middle school and then our high school kids, our high school students, they have, uh, that's, their, that's their big invite, you know, our, that's... Uh, the I want to call it the evangelist. We, I want it all to be evangelistic, but that's where they really do their outreach is on the Wednesday night, trying to get the you know the kids there. We've gone to this uh, with our high school kids, and and I, and I was I was telling Chuck about this. The jury's still out on it, um, but on Sunday morning, we have gone to for ninth and ninth through twelfth grade. We have the, our kids serving on Sunday. <clears throat> they, they're serving. They're serving in kids ministry and preschool ministry. They're serving on our tech team and they're serving in, um, on our first impressions team. And then they do their, 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 their Bible study on Sunday evenings in homes. And they're broken into groups. Not, you know, we used to have Sunday school on Sunday, on Sunday morning uh, in, you know, on campus where ninth grade boys were together and ninth grade girls were together. Tenth grade boys, tenth grade, you know, eleven. Now what we've gone is we still do it. We, do, we, we don't do co-ed. We do boys and girls. But we'll have, you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade boys. We'll group them in groups. And they're in homes. And, and we've gone to that. We had over 100, 100 high school kids in homes last Sunday night. And they're serving. And the thing is what we're hoping. Because one of the things we found is we've studied and we've done research. A lot, you know, sadly, a lot of kids um, leave high school and leave the church. Never to return. Or if they return, it's a long time. And part of it, I think, we believe, and some of the statistics that we've shown, and some of the research that we've done, is because they've never felt really plugged into the church. They've been served by the church so much, but they've never served the church. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, we've, this is, we've just started year two of this. Some of our best kids and preschool leaders are our, our, our high school and middle school kids. It's amazing. They're committed. They're there. And the thing is, I believe we're going to have some children's pastors come out of this or some teachers come out of this because of the investment that they've made with these kids. Now, has everybody done it? No. So what if a kid doesn't want to do it? We still have a Bible study. We still offer a Bible study um, on Sunday morning for high school kids. We still do that. And for middle school kids, um, middle school kids, I'm sorry, they don't serve. It's only high school serves on Sunday. They, middle school, we still do regular, um, regular Sunday school for our middle school kids. But we encourage our middle school kids to be in you know, vacation Bible school and things like that. Can I ask a dumb question? No, ma'am. What? Absolutely. No, 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 no dumb questions at all. Okay. What's, what's your question? <laughs> you said dumb Oh, no, come on. I don't believe, I don't believe you have a dumb one. <laughs> I, know, I know you're a large church. I yes, ma'am. I know the was small. Tell me the reason for separating the girls and the boys in school. You know, because that's how we've always done it. Uh, but honestly, because boys, I believe kids will get a little bit more real with each other if, if they're not having that dynamic. Because, you know, at that age, hormones are happening, all that's going on with that. We, 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 the reason we decided to do that, I mean, honestly, that's how we've done it there. But the reason we continue to do that is because we believe that uh, we, we want to take that distraction out of the way. 
um, when they're when we do that. We're together on Wednesday night. Boys and girls are all together on Wednesday night. But that's pretty much of a large group. That's a preaching. That's when our, our student pastor preaches. We have worship, and he preaches, and we're all co-ed then. But when we go into groups on Sunday night, we have boys with boys and girls with girls, just for the distraction piece of that. You, those of you that have smaller churches that are here, with do you have any separation? Like that? You know, we're too small to yeah. yeah. Our youth department is primarily boys. Yeah. We have one girl in there right here. The rest of boys. That's odd. And so, yeah. It, it is, is odd. That's really well, it's usually just the really opposite yeah. direction. Uh, I mean, yeah, we've got some coming up that'll go right. into there, but right now we have one teenage girl coming. Now we have some that come on Wednesday nights that don't come on Sunday morning. Right. And we're working on those, but those are our military, unchurched children mm-hmm. that we can get on Wednesday night, but we can't get on Sunday morning. Yet. Yeah. Praise the Lord, they're coming. I have a pretty much a mix with ours with the the girls and boys. I'm not actually into it, so I don't really know. If you don't have critical mass, then keep them together. I mean, if you right. You know, if you, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I mean, you just, you're just doing it. That's a great question. Yeah, if, if, critical mass is important. Okay. So, yes, if you got one girl and five boys, well, you know, you know or if you had, yeah. you know, yeah, I'd put and them together. Chuck. would love to separate them. Yeah, sure. Because there are things that each group wants to discuss. They want that was, to discuss That's what I was going to bring up. The, the reason why some churches would do that, not only because of distraction, but also there are things you can discuss with a girl's right. class that you couldn't discuss when you have boys in there and vice versa. That's kind of the other thought behind that, especially when you got middle schoolers and the early high schools and things are going on. Sometimes in the Bible studies, there are things that come up right. that it's kind of hard to discuss when you got a mixed group. When you've got the separate group, you can kind of explain more, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That's kind of the idea behind that. I mean, yeah. so I also remember critical mass in those size groups are three, four, and five students. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take many to reach that. And it's not just, and you do it on special, you know, right. on special topics. But when you're relating to a boy, and you, you look at what we've done with society is that every group is a small group. You mm. don't have large groups anymore. When, you look at, when you're looking at a football team now, you don't have the football team that practices all together. You have right receivers, you have line, you have O-line, D-line, you've got everything in segment, and then you take it down to what they're doing on their, uh, on their phones with social devices. Every group is small, and so when you can take that to what we're doing in church, and so a small group of girls is going to relate to a small group of girls, period, because it's who they're relating to. They're not going to relate to the small group of guys. And what we're having to find is, is that inside of our now sixth graders, that we've got four different groups because they can't relate to one another because they they're so socially uh, siloed. See, I think that's a problem. It is a problem because that causes clicks. Amen. Mm-hmm. I know, but and that is it's not the reality, something though. we need to be promoting in a Christian church. Oh, if absolutely. Any way to intermingle, say, two girl groups, even without you know, well, these are my friends and those are your friends. You know. I agree. I agree. But what we just said about our Sunday school classes is is that they become closed, and we would call that a click, though it becomes a healthy place. And what will happen is, if you try, a lot of times we've watched, if we try to merge those groups, we'll lose them both. And so you almost, I don't want to promote a click, but on the other hand, we start promoting those groups. Because those groups will grow and multiply into other groups. It's incredibly yeah. frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It really is. I have a son that does, I don't, I don't work with the youth in any way anymore. I did from the time my kids were free till they got out of college Amen. and I quit. I just went to class on long. But um, I had, he, I listened to him sometimes talk about and he has high schoolers like 9, 10, 11, 12th grade sure. in that group. Uh, again, we're small. But he, he, I heard him the other day say something that kind of troubled me a little bit in a way, but listening to y'all just then like it may be okay. When they meet on Sunday morning, they have literature that they they follow, you know, they have it basically. But I heard him say that they spend time talking about what they've done through the week. 
sharing with each other and you know that sort of thing and then they bring in the lesson so you got a combination there I mean, you, you know, you drink a glass of orange juice and tell somebody went to a football game the other night and so and so and so and so like that. And then, you know, maybe spend half the time or even less on biblical stuff. I know. It's kind of making them cohesive. Sure. Well they're trying to develop community. They're trying to develop community. So I don't know. I that was. Well, I, I was going to ask you are you having to do this with your adult classes? What's that? It's create time for them to be adults. I they're wanna... so busy, you got to create time for them to allow. Yeah. Um, this is kind of deviated a bit, but <clears throat> uh, like I told you, on our Grovetown campus, 100% of the adult life groups are in homes, just because we don't have any adult space. There's great things about that, and there's not so <laughs> great things about that. And, and in-home group, I'm fine. This is we're only four years into this doing in-home groups. <clears throat> I'm finding in-home groups become closed groups very quickly. Because they're in somebody's home, um, they develop, you know, they have dinner together. I mean, it develops intimacy, which is what we want. It's what we want. However, um, you've got to be willing and you got to keep, and we, I'm finding I've got to keep talking to my leaders because they're like, man, we're sharing intimate stuff here. I, if, if you bring somebody else from the outside in, it, and I'm like, yeah, but that's what, I got to take them back to the why. It's, it's, we, but, but, but we're doing, it ain't about Yes, we want the intimacy. We want folks to, 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 to minister to each other. But we've always got to have an empty seat for a new person to come in. We've got to have that. That happened to my daughter <clears throat> when she was yeah. newly married. She and her husband wanted to go to a non-Baptist church here in sure. Bullock County. And um, they really liked the worship service. They, they were just really excited about the pastor and the uh, associate pastor. And they like the music, and they knew several people there, and so they wanted to get more involved. And they asked the pastor after after worship service, uh, you know, do you have Sunday school classes? Because they had both grown up in Baptist churches that had Sunday school classes. And he said, No, we've got life groups. He said, Let me put you in touch with several of our life groups, and you see, you know, which one you could fit with the best. And he kind of gave him some idea of what they centered around, you know, like if they wanted separate groups, there was a men's group that centered around sports. And this, sure. Um, so anyway, they contacted several people and they were told that their groups were full. Yeah, that, that's, so that's the death nail church. right there. That, that, that saddens me. That makes me sad. And so that, that's why one of the things that we've tried to do to combat that is, is we, we have a connections person that makes that that facilitates that because I, I it would break my I'm sure we've had the same thing happen I'm sure you know and so what we're trying to do we always try to keep some groups um, that that are again go with the goers I've got some groups that are willing to take people in whenever and I put them over there if I've got a group that says Lane we're you know uh, I say okay but then you're gonna launch a new group next year and and they have been and they have done that they praise the Lord they have done that but uh, that breaks my heart. I, mean, I, I hate to hear that. Yes, and it was you were saying, Haley, I totally agree. We, I, we've got to try to, and that's where the in-home group, it really fosters that so much easier. Sunday morning, sadly, we're on the clock, you know, because we've got services starting and we're sharing space. So I love it when groups have breakfast on Sunday morning and they're, and they're you know, mingling. And, and, but I want them studying the Word, no doubt about it. But, but the, 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 the hard part with that is, they got to get out because I got another group coming in, and so that, it, that so I feel on Sunday morning it's hard to do that, and so that's why I really do encourage my Sunday morning groups, <clears throat> excuse me, to do, you know, fellowships out, out, outside. Do you have a requirement for that? No, sir, I don't. Maybe I should, you know, do that three years. That's pretty year. good for us. Has it? You've, do you you require it? That's good. That's and good. It's not like it's a huge requirement. Sure. You just do it once a semester. Yeah, just have to do something off campus. Now that's I, I probably need to set that as a as a vision and a goal for them. Also, I I I I do ask them. You know, it's the autonomy of the layperson. They do whatever they want to do. You know, and I get it. I mean, you know, um, is is we've asked them to to serve in an area of ministry at least once quarterly. But I need probably. But I've never thought that's about the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that and that's good. But I never thought about the fellowship piece. That's good. But the, the thing about the fellowship piece, though is that a lot of times if you're trying to get somebody new to come to the church and even come to the Sunday school, they're iffy about that, but if they go to a function off church with that group, 
and can mingle with them, they're more treat. likely to yeah. say, "This oh, I like hanging out with them. Let's try something more to see what it looks like." You know that dynamic because sure. we've all seen where we'll invite them to church that we're blue in the face. Yeah. We do an event off campus and man, they'll show up. Yeah. And that's that's a really good idea to run with. Yeah, them. great courage. That's a great visitor visitor part of the Sunday class because that class is going to know who they can target. Yeah. And just bring them in. We're starting a new group on Wednesday nights for the. Uh, parents of these unchurched mm. families because they're they were coming and sitting in their cars and just waiting really for kids. Wow. they wouldn't come in the church um, and so um, we're starting a new group and they're starting off just meeting getting to know it's each perfect. other talk about some things not even studying the Bible to right. start with yeah and then we're going to lead into some sort of Bible study, we hope, with them. You're going to feed them? <laughs> uh, well, we've talked about having snacks. I would, definitely. You know, I mean, we have supper on Wednesday right. nights, but they don't come to that. No, but if you could do but something there, that'd some be money well spent. Or coffee Absolutely. Or whatever. Where are you going to do it? On campus? We're doing it at the church you, during that Wednesday night time when the awesome. kids are in their classes yeah. and hoping that we can eventually work them where they'll Way to go. I like it. I love that. But a That's lot awesome. of them are military families. Yep, right. we, we're um, real close to a base as well. And, Post, I guess. And uh, a lot of them either were burned in yep. a previous mm -hmm. church or have never grown up in church. And they're very hard to reach. Yeah. And a lot of them are homeschooled, so they're not out in the community. Yep. And it's it, they're very very hard to reach. That's thinking outside of the box, as we talked about. I mean, that's, that's being willing to, to try something different, do something new, because it's about reaching. At the end of the day, we know that we know what our mission is. It's the Great Commission. It's about reaching people with the gospel wherever they are. And I agree. I wouldn't, you know, beat them over the head with the Bible to start with. I mean, I would definitely give them something to eat. You know, do engage them. Maybe do some felt needs studies. To me, that would be a great. I was thinking, yeah. yeah, do topicals. Topical studies. Well, and I, they, you know, we talked about having a box where they could put a question in. You need and, to do that. That's a great idea. They wouldn't have to ask their questions That's out loud. Who's going to lead that? Our preacher's wife. That's fantastic. That's cool. Uh, she's already made a connection with some of these because Perfect. she is also a homeschool parent. There you go. So she knows some of these parents already, and she's going to make that connection. Yeah. Any other questions, concerns, written replies? Thank you all for being here. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for the investment that you're making. Like I said, at the very front end, there's a lot of stuff you could be doing this weekend, but uh, thank you. I love what Chuck said, but I appreciate you being here. It's all about kingdom work, you know? One of these days, we're going to get to go to heaven forever and ever and ever, you know, and I want as many people as can go to be, you know, to be there with us. Amen? Most important thing in our life. It is. It is. Most important. Tell me your name again. Mine, Pat. Pat, would you pray for us as we close? Do you mind? Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another beautiful day. Sure. We thank you, Lord, for each one that's here, each each church, each community that's represented. That's right. Lord, we thank you for the speaker, the leader of our group tonight in this particular area. And Lord, help us to go back into our churches and in our communities and work harder for you, Lord, as we know that it is the most important thing that we can do in our lives. God and direct. Continue, Lord, and with your presence in all of the activities that are going on today and tomorrow here with this going on. And help us just to learn so much that we can take back and use and apply. Thank you for everything, Lord, all the blessings that you give us every day. Mm. We do know the source of them. Amen. Amen. Thank you.